0: right in to 1 Samuel 19. I got on the drums, BJ. BJ saw the look in my eye. And Carlene looked at me because I was like, you know, I've been begging people to get on the drums. I'm like, them jokers won't get on the drums. I will get on the drums. Yeah, and I was just praying, God, anoint me to beat these drums. And the anointing never came. And Carlene looked at me. I felt like the anointing was coming. And Carlene looked at me, and here's what she did. And the anointing lifted I mean I believe I was getting ready to beat them drums like Tommy Lee I do man I believe I believe you quenched something uh, you're gonna hear about it when you meet Jesus I, I'm praying y'all pray for my wife because the fire was getting ready to fall but she she did that Chris that right there I know you've, you've felt that before first Samuel 19 11 and 12 if you're there say amen So Saul sent messengers, and I'm not going to preach on messengers per se tonight like I did Sunday morning, but that's just in this scripture. Saul also sent messengers unto David's house to watch him and to slay him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, If thou save not thy life tonight, tomorrow thou shalt be slain. Next verse. So Michael let David down through a window and he went and fled and escaped. Now I want him to put up 1 Samuel 18, 28 and 29. And I want to preach a little while tonight from the subject of stay connected to praise. Stay connected to praise. And Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. Everybody say she loved him. And Saul was yet more afraid of David, and Saul became David's enemy continually. Saul saw something in David that made him afraid. And because of this, he became the continual enemy of David. I want to start this off by telling you that the enemy has seen something in you that makes him nervous. We keep talking all the time about how the enemy tries to make the people of God nervous. But we fail to tell the people of God that actually our existence makes him nervous. He gets nervous when he sees somebody lean into God. He gets uneasy when he sees somebody start taking the things of God serious. He gets uneasy when people don't just gather, but they begin to praise God corporately. You ask any Pentecostal tongue-talking preacher, the biggest battle they have in their church is always over the music. It's always over the sound because something is released in the praise of the people. Something gets released in the Holy Ghost that sets people free. The enemy doesn't care if we have a bake sale. He doesn't care if we have a softball team or a soccer match. But he fears a bunch of people that will get together and say, I'm going to praise God for about the next 30 minutes to an hour. If I got some people that still believe in praising God, would you give him about just a 10 second and pray. Praise you, Jesus. I praise you for your faithfulness. I praise you for your goodness. I praise you for your grace. We need to be a church that cultivates praise. You shouldn't feel like the oddball if you're praising God if we're doing church right. You should feel like the oddball if you ain't. The church being Carlene and Veronica, many of you come up in, honey, if you come into that church, they wasn't trying to make no visitor comfortable. We, we saw one guy get so uncomfortable he cried on the way out. Josetta remembers that. They weren't trying to make uh, people comfortable. They were trying to please the presence of God. That They didn't care if their dancing made you nervous. They didn't care if how loud they got made you nervous. Now, I don't believe in fleshy stuff where you start elbowing people and rubbing your bodies inappropriately up against people, and it's a shame that preachers have to say some of the things they have to say. There's some things preachers ought not have to say. Praise never makes God look bad. But praise will make flesh feel uncomfortable. And, and sometimes in my praise, my flesh, it don't want to do it. But there's something inside of me that says, I need a little more out of this service. And I remember in those church services, you would look over and every hand would be raised and hands would be going back and forth. And the only person that felt like the oddball was the one sitting there saying, well, I just don't know about that. I just don't know if I'm going to raise my hand or not. You go to a Hokies football game and the only oddballs are the ones sitting there wearing the opposing jersey. If you're on Team Jesus, you ought to be giving him a shout right now because he done whipped the devil up one side and beat him down the other. You have to contend for praise because I I don't want the church to ever seem like a cemetery. I don't want the church to ever seem like a graveyard. It ought to be a place of life, a place of happiness, a place of exuberance. And I've seen people that at one season in their life, they were connected to praise. But somewhere along the way, they lost their connection to praise. And now they're going through the motions. And there was a time in your life when you didn't have to say, raise your hands, everybody. Because you was raising them because you was happy. But then life comes. And life comes to you. And life comes to me. Life has a way of making those hands feel feeble. Life has a way sometimes of taking the steam out of it. But I'm trying to tell somebody that you need to be more connected to praise today than you were when you first got saved. I love Carlene more today than I did 27 years ago when I married her because I know her better now than I did back then. And like Mama Kathy was talking about, when you're walking with the Lord, sometimes you just got to walk with... Him, And as the years go by, you find more and more in him to love. That's why the Bible said he is altogether lovely. The more I know about him, the more I love him. The more faithful he's been to me. The more kind I realize he is to me. And you shouldn't have to make a seasoned believer. Praise God. When I first started preaching, I preached as hyper as I do right now. Maybe a little more so because I was younger. But old preachers would say, oh, he'll grow out of that. Well, that's been 25 years ago. I still ain't grown out of that. Because every time I read this book, it still excites me. Every time I get in his presence, it still ignites me. I still get excited when we get to come to church and praise God as a family. If that still excites you, would you give him a hand clap of praise? I know I ain't got no drummer, but I believe I got me some praisers right now that say we're going to blow the roof off this service and have us some church. Because praising ain't something we, we do, really. It's something we are. Worship ain't something you're supposed to do on Sunday morning. Worship is something you're supposed to be every day of your life. You are supposed to be a sweet-smelling savor unto your Savior. When John McCain, the former senator of Arizona and a presidential hopeful that didn't win the election, but he was, he was captured behind enemy lines, and they called where they captured all those U.S. soldiers, they called that the Hanoi Hilton. And in the Hanoi Hilton, man, they punished them. They beat them. They stripped them of their soldier's uniform. Bobby knows about that. He served in the military. They took their uniforms, and they put just white, dirty garments on them. And uh, they, they tried to make them lose their identity as soldiers. And John McCain told this story about one man that he was in the Hanoi Hilton with in that prison camp, in that POW camp. His name was Mike Christian. And Mike Christian found a little bamboo needle. And he found a little red thread, some white thread, and some blue thread. And on the inside of his garment that they gave him, he stitched together a little American flag, Chelsea, just a little one. And every night when they would bring, the, bring them back in and the inmates were supposed to go to sleep, what they would do is they would hang their garments up on, on the hooks, the nail hooks on the wall. And the, the Vietnamese soldiers, they couldn't understand why our soldiers would stand at the wall looking at all that laundry and say, I pledge allegiance to the flag and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice. For every day, every night, they would pledge allegiance to the flag. And that got on their nerves because they couldn't figure out because there was no flag in front of them until one day. One of the soldiers got to looking at Michael Christian's uniform and he found inside his lapel a red, white, and blue American flag. They took that young man out, and they beat him. They beat him senseless. They beat him not for five minutes, not for ten minutes. They gathered around him, and they beat him mercilessly. John McCain said they beat him so bad that they thought they had killed him. And then after they beat him and beat him and beat him, they took Michael Christian's body, and they threw it naked in front of those soldiers. <clears throat> and he lay there naked and the side of his face was blue and red blood was coming out of him and one of his soldier buddies put a white blanket over top of him and then they looked back at him and they realized that he was red. He was white, and he was blue. And they said, you ain't saluting the flag. You are the flag. And they put their hands on their heart, and they said, we pledge allegiance to the flag. See, worship, when you really get wrapped up in God, it ain't something you do. It is who you are. People ought to be able to look at you and say, that one's a worshiper. That one's a believer. That man loves Jesus. There's got to come a point in our life where church ain't something I do, but praise is something I am. You ain't got to beg me to talk about Jesus. You ain't got to twist my arm to mention the Lord. He's been too good to me. And so many times we we lose our connection with praise, and then we wonder why we feel no power. We wonder why we feel no peace. Judah, what does the name Judah mean? Y'all must have a good pastor. Judah means praise. Did you know there were 12 tribes that came out? And Judah was always the first tribe. They always entered in first. They were the largest tribe, and they were the most blessed tribe because they were the praising tribe. I'm trying to help you all right now. And there was a tribe that was connected to them by the name of Dan. And Dan was so connected to Judah that anytime time Judah got a blessing, Dan got a blessing. See, when you get connected to people that praise God, it's going to rub off on you. When you get connected to people that love Jesus, it's going to get over on you. That's why the enemy always wants you around a critical judgmental somebody. Because tragically, that has a tendency of rubbing off on you too. But when you get around a praiser, they're going to teach you how to walk into blessing. They're going to teach you how to access peace. You're going to see them praise God through storms and see God do stuff for them. And it's going to make you think, man, if God did it for him, God could do it for me. Praising people are contagious. I want to be contagious, not with COVID-19, but with the praise of God on my lips. That when negative people get around me, they get infected with a praise. But somewhere, if you studied it out, I think it was in Judges 18, Dan found a place of comfort. And in this place of comfort, they held back and they let Judah keep going. Then Issachar passed them. Uh, all the other tribes passed them. And Judah kept entering them first to everything. But tragically, because Dan got comfortable, they became the last tribe to walk in any of the blessings. They were always the last ones to get there. And did you know the name Dan means judgment? Have you ever noticed that the most miserable people and the last ones to get it are always those critical, judgmental people? people that are always focused on stuff that they ought not be focused on. They're more worried about somebody smoking a cigarette than having a broken heart. They're more worried about knowing what somebody did last year than what they need God to do for them tonight. I don't want to be of the tribe of Dan. I want to be of the tribe of Judah. I want to be able to not just praise me out of a problem. I want my praise to be so hello Paul and Silas. I want to get connected with people that even if they throw us in a pit we can praise God together in their chain. Good preaching, Barry. Good preaching, Barry. See, the enemy made one mistake in the story of Paul and Silas. He put them in the cell together. And one can chase a thousand, but two can put 10,000 to flight. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Could it be that somebody's in their midnight right now? And what determines how you're going to feel in this next season is determined by the praise or the lack thereof that's coming out of your mouth right now. Could it be that there's a warfare going on trying to silence you? Could it be that there's some trying to disconnect you from praise? I've seen people get so edumacated. That's that's my word. I'm going to use it. Gets so edumacated that they didn't think they needed God anymore. Or get so sophisticated that they begin to draw back on praise. But I tell you, I found powerful people are people that release praise. They're people that crave praise. Carlene, you're never going to see her run the aisle. If you do, one of two things have happened. The first thing being the Holy Ghost is on her, for real. Or secondly, I finally gave her a nervous breakdown. But she's addicted to praise. She praises God in her way. She lifts those hands. Tears go down those faces. She leans into the things of God. They ain't got to praise your way, and you ain't got to praise my way. And if I'm really praising God, I ain't studying how you're praising because I'm praising him. David is known as the premier praiser, if you will, of Scripture. And because of that, he had a faith in him to fight Goliath, and I'm not preaching that story. I've not preached this, and I'm getting ready to preach to y'all tonight. But he whips the giant, and the promise was if you whip the giant, you ain't got to pay taxes. You get to marry the king's daughter. You get all these blessings. And so now the the praiser of Israel is getting ready to marry the eldest daughter of Saul, Mirab, who the Bible said she was beautiful. The problem was when Mirab looked at David, she said, "I'm not. I ain't attracted to him. My heart is already given to Eliab. I love Eliab. David standing before her, a good-looking young man, an anointed young man. So don't feel bad if everybody don't like you. They didn't like David. They didn't like Jesus. Happens to everybody. But she looked at him." and she said I can't be married to him because I'm already married to somebody my heart is already given to somebody see there's a lot of people that can't be married to Pentecostal praise because they've already given their heart to denominational teaching there's a lot of people that can't let the Holy Ghost flow in church because they're done married to an idea that told them God ain't moving anymore the only thing I want to be married to is the God I find in the Bible the God I feel in my spirit I don't want to be married to religion I want to be found in him and though she had the opportunity because God gives all the king's children opportunity she said I, I want to be more intimate with something else and I used to say you know I'm a word church word preacher you know I want to be focused on the word but the older I get older again the more I realize that the word really gonna come out worship got to come forward. That's why every time that girl on this praise team opens her mouth, I'm up there praising God, saying thank you, Jesus, for people that know how to open up the atmosphere, for people that know how to get the Spirit of God moving, because I know what it's like to get before crowds where there's been no praise. Some of y'all know what it's like to go to churches where there ain't been no Praise. And then the preacher gets up there, and he don't feel like preaching because ain't nobody feels like listening to him because ain't nobody felt nothing the whole time. They still hung over from the night before. Their back's still out because they was shouting at the high school football game. And then they've been sitting on their blessed assurance the whole church service. I said blessed assurance. I had to make sure y'all was still awake. And you know the funny thing is there are people That would get more upset that a preacher said sitting on your blessed assurance than you would that there's people overdosing outside right now. That there's people that are committing suicide right now. There's a problem in the church when we major on little things and we let hurting people go by. God is saying, would you please focus on what I focus on? Would you please care about what I care about? We spend all their time arguing about stuff that don't matter to God. It matters to us. I told John I learned it from an old preacher. Me and Carlene had been preaching a revival. And the way I was preaching, they got it in their head. I was Jesus only. Now, I don't understand. You know, I, I'm, just, I, I'm Father, Son, Holy Ghost. I'm very actually glad to meet you. I, I believe in the Trinity. Uh, and, you know, I've been preaching. And I've been preaching a lot on Jesus because that's actually what you're supposed to preach about. Jesus and when we were getting in the car I was getting in the car this guy stopped me and he said hey preacher how do you baptize I said in water see you later I left him hanging, baby, because I thought I ain't going to sit out here in this parking lot worried about things that God ain't worried about. God don't care if you're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, the Lord Jesus Christ. To God, it's about the heart that says, Jesus, I want you in me. I long for the day that denominational lines quit dividing the body of Christ. I know some people that they wouldn't fellowship with us because we tongue talking and they ain't. I know some preachers that won't have nothing to do with me. Me and Carlene was in a restaurant uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago and I saw a, a preacher that came from the movement. I came from, you know, that Pentecostal holiness movement. I'm talking old school. I'm talking if that preacher looked at y'all right now, y'all all going to hell. But see, I'm an ass guy. And I love people, and I love people that I knew from my past. So when I'm getting up from the table, I see this preacher, and he was really enjoying his food, Bubba. But I was happy to see him. I hadn't seen him in years. And so I just like, hey, I said, hey, how are you? I ain't going to tell you all the name. Thank you, Holy Ghost. And Jake is with me, and Morgan is with me, and Carlene is with me. And he looks at me like, peasant? Why are you talking And I go, hey, Jonathan, how are you? How you doing? He's like, "Mm, like, be gone, demon. I was like, all right, I'll see you later, man. If that's Jesus, I'm a John Deere tractor. They ain't no Jesus in that. They ain't no love in that. When you when you can't even say hi to somebody because you too holy to say hi. You too holy, baby. Jesus knew how to get on people's level and love people. And when you really been spending time with God that loves people, guess what? You gonna love people too. Preacher good in here tonight. Miriam said I don't want him, but the Bible said there was little sister. Little sister. There's always a little sister around. Little sister said, I love David. See, you had one that said, nah, he ain't ain't much to me. But the other little sister said, woo, when I look at David, I'm attracted to that praise. I'm attracted to him. And the Bible said Michael loved him so much. I remember when I first got saved, I would stand up in public places and just start talking about Jesus. Because I loved him so much. I I wanted to talk about him on the phone to my friends, to Carlene, to anybody that would listen to me. Because I loved him so much. Because it it was so fresh and it was so new to me. And that's the way Michael was with David. And she loved him so much that she heard her daddy had sent some people and they were going to kill him. They were going to kill him in the night. Uh, In the morning, the Bible says they were going to kill him. They were sneaking to his bed. And the Bible says that Michael loved him so much. She said, David, the assassins are coming. She said, you got to escape out of the window. When the enemy comes to assassinate your praise, you got to let it out. Some of y'all missed the revelation right now. When the enemy comes with fear and doubt to assassinate your praise, I dare you to let the praise out. When the enemy comes to make you draw back, I dare you to throw up those hands and say, Jesus, I thank you that you are God of all. I thank you that you are my Lord and Savior. I thank you for who you are. Let your praise out. It ain't time to be silent when you're fighting hell in your mind. It's time to let praise out the window of your mouth. I was driving down the road. I've told y'all this story. I've told y'all a lot of stories because I, I preach to y'all a lot. And my cousin, she was raised up like me, but she's got a good spirit. I mean, she's precious. And I looked over there at her, and this is before there was Bluetooth. So that meant like if you were talking to yourself in the car, you were crazy. That's what I like about Bluetooth now because most time I am talking to myself. But they think I'm talking to somebody else. I'm not. Yeah, sometimes I'm talking to Jesus, but sometimes I'm talking to me. And I looked over at my cousin. I was at the red light, and I saw her with a little hand up in the air. It was about 7 o'clock in the morning. And I saw tears streaming down her face. And I could tell by the movement of her tongue she was speaking in tongues. And then I would see her just look up to God. and was at the red light there where the McDonald's is. And I called my mom. Because my mom is her, is her aunt, and I hadn't got to talk to her in over a year. I said, Mom, I said, I saw her cousin. I said, and it was early in the morning. I said, and she was praising God. And I said, I could just tell that she was going through a battle, going through a struggle. And mom said, Barry, you have no idea the devils that girl's been fighting. You know what? That's been, that's been 15 years ago now. That girl's still alive and in her right mind and making it because when the enemy tried to shut her down, she opened up that window and said, devil, you will not assassinate my praise. You ain't going to give me. I know I don't feel like it, but praise him anyhow. I know I'm going through a battle, but praise him. I dare you to praise him right now. Hey! It ain't always about to feel like it. I wasn't going to mention it, but I'm going to mention it. My papa's in the COVID unit. Deal with it. He's in that COVID unit, and they won't let nobody see him but my dad. He didn't get COVID at church. Or let's say he did get it at church. Not the three places at the hospital he had to visit that same week. Because the only place COVID lives is in church. Church and Trump rallies are the only two places you can catch COVID. According to some people, and so because of that, people drew back on church. Papa had COVID. Papa got sick outside of church. Papa never came to church sick, so let that one out. And Dad's been the only one that's been able to see my Papa Troy. And today they said Papa said, "I just won't go home. I just won't go home." And Dad talked to the nurse. He said, "What would it take to get him to come home? What if we took the oxygen with him?" And the nurse broke it down, and she said, "If." We send him home. He's on 100% oxygen right now. She said, if we send him home, he could be dead within four hours. She said, in fact, Mr. Absher, your father could die at any hour. Dad called me and he said, Bugs, I hate to tell you this. He said, but this is what they just said about Dad. This is what they just said about Papa Troy. He said, they won't let nobody in there. I said, I'm going to get in there. By the grace of God, I did get in there, and not only did it, by complete permission, it was all legal. I broke no protocol, and not only did I get in there. I hate I have to say this stuff, but I do, and Carlene was able to come in there with me, and we began to pray for Papa Troy, and I saw tears begin to stream down his face, and he was sitting there in his little body, 90 years old, toughest man I've ever met in my life. He's hunkered over like this right here. And I'm gathered around him. I'm just thinking, God, just help me make him feel better. Just I want to make him feel better. But he's deaf and he's hateful and he's hurting. It's the truth. He can't lie in church. And Papa said, I want to go home. I said, Papa, I want you to go home. He said, no, I want to go to Pauline. He said, she was a good woman. He said, I'm ready to go home. And even though that broke the heart of my flesh because I ain't ready for him to go to that home, it made something on the inside of me stand up and say, now that's a God you can lean on right there. That even when you're 90 years old and your body is broken down, you're not sitting there fearing death. You're saying, I'm ready to go home. For I know of a city whose builder and maker is God. I'm telling you, this faith is real and this praise gets in you. I want to be that way, that at the end of my life, I look at him and I say, I want to go home. And I ain't talking about cedar Bluff for Claypool Hill, I'm talking about heaven. Praising God keeps heaven a reality. It reminds you of the eternal. It reminds you that this life is what the Bible said, but a vapor. It keeps you minded on the things that are eternal because so many times we get so minded on the temporal, we forget about the power of eternal things. Michael valued David. She valued praise. But 20-some years later, hmm, 20-some years of picking up his dirty laundry, of watching him with his feet up watching the football game, 20-some years of, of getting used to David. Somewhere along the way, she didn't love him like she used to love him. Somewhere along the way, he grew common to her. See, if you're not careful with your praise, you'll start taking church for granted you'll start taking moves of the Holy Ghost for granted. You'll start taking things of God for granted. See, I remember when God used to save one soul, man, I'd shout all over the place, and then it started happening so much, I kind of quit praising God like I used to praise God for it. You know what he did? He drew it back for a little bit. And I got in his presence, and I said, God, you start saving them like that again, and I will make sure I give you the praise, honey, and ever since, God has been saving people at these altars again. Always value Never devalue somebody's faith. Never devalue somebody's praise. And never let the enemy devalue what God has done for you. There are two thieves that try to steal your praise as Chelsea begins to play. Two thieves. Assassins, if you will. Just like Freddie, those assassins were coming to his bed to kill him in the morning. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost on this. Thank you, Holy Ghost. The enemy comes to your bed in the morning. dictate what you're going to think about all day what's he trying to do assassinate your praise oh I got to go meet uh, Captain Grumpy oh I got to go do this thing I don't want to do oh this is going to happen today oh no it's Monday and I hate Mondays you're letting the assassins come in first thing in the morning kill your praise first thing in the morning 1st That's why David said seven times a day he praised. He took a praise break seven times a day. And you ask for two praise breaks in a service and they think you're being emotional. Why did David take all those praise breaks seven in a day? Could it be because he knew he needed them? Could it be that when the pastor's saying, y'all take a praise break right now, I'm not doing it to make a noise. I'm doing it to drive back darkness because somebody needs to feel the presence of God in their life. And Michael saw David. She was at a window, but she wasn't releasing no praise out that window. She was releasing judgment because David was dancing. I mean, for real dancing. He was dancing in front of all the men, all the women, all, the, all everybody, because he was happy that the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, was coming back to Israel. He was happy. That meant everything to him, but tragically it meant nothing any longer to Michael. Because the same window that she maybe used to help him escape from. Now she stood and she looked out that window and she judged his praise. Can I tell you I think a dangerous thing to do as a believer is judge the praise of another person? To to judge their tears to feel like they're unworthy of giving God praise, you don't know how far God has brought them. You don't know how close they were to giving up committing suicide. In fact, I wish you would praise God for the person to the left and to the right of you. And I wish they would praise God for you because he has been good to each and every one of us in this place tonight. And the Bible says she judged him, made fun of him. He came in the house, wanted to bless her, and she judged him. And you know what David said? He said, woman, I'm going to give you the Barry Absher unauthorized version. He said, darling, if that embarrasses you, hold my Bible. I'm just getting started on what I'm going to do. He said, if that kind of praise got on your nerves, just get ready. I'm about to praise God. I want to tell Tassel County and everybody thinks we're loud and emotional and, and, and we get exuberant. I want to tell Tassel County, I hold my Bible. You ain't seen nothing yet. The Holy Ghost is getting ready to hit this place in a way that I have not seen and ear hath not heard. Neither hath it entered into the heart of the man. We are not ashamed of praise. In fact, I get ashamed of people that, I've been around preachers. Sometimes I have to go to places that have meetings with preachers. Now, you go to Alabama and Georgia with them preachers, them preachers, they praise God. They praise God for real. But I've been in some other preacher meetings where they want the congregation to praise God, and the preachers were sitting here like this judging everything. Afraid they're going to sweat up their suit if they gave God a praise. If I ain't praising, I can't expect my body to praise. If I ain't giving God a private praise, I can't expect you to give God a private praise. If I'm not going first, then how can I I lead you to a place that I've never been? The reason Chelsea can lead you into the presence of God corporately is because she knows what it's like to get there privately. Because she don't just praise Him when people are looking. She's been praising Him since she was a teenage girl. And when hell was coming against her, she could praise her way into peace praise her way into blessing the Bible said that she was barren from that day forward you got two types of believers in every church you got those praisers that people may make fun of and they may misunderstand but you know what they reproduce other believers because they're contagious and then you've got those judgmental critical people that's always just standing in the window saying why is that young boy praising God like that? Why does that doctor go there? Why, why is Chris there? He's a good Catholic. Why is Freddie there? Why Why did you leave the church of the frozen chosen to come to that church? Why? And they sit there and they judge and they, they critique and they criticize and they put down. But you know what I've noticed about judgmental people? They never produce anything except criticism have you y'all think of one person help me think of one person that one person in your life you know that produces great things by always being critical I promise you I can't think of one can y'all I can't now okay help me think of this person think of that person that's a little bit crazy you know like the person sitting beside of you but they praise God they love God They may not have it all together. They may not have all the answers, but they love God. And you look at what they produce in their life. And let me ask you, do you want the fruit of the judgmental person or do you want the fruit of the praiser? I'll take the fruit of the person that praises God every day of my life. I want that kind of fruit. I want that peace. I want that joy. I may get knocked down, but rejoice not over me, my enemy, for I will rise again. I need somebody that... Knows that your best days are ahead of you to give God a praise right now. Because praise, praise is only, I'm so afraid I'm going to be in trouble with my mom for saying sit on your blessed assurance. Y'all pray for me. But praise is only one generation away from extinction. I praise God the way I do. Because my mama praise God. My mama praised God. My great-grandmother Susie, she praised God. I'll remember those little trembling hands. She would lay there in her bed, she was bedfast and she would give God praise and she would watch Christian television. My mama, Sadie, she would go and she would pray. She had arthritis so bad her, her hands were knotted up like Papa Troy's. It was his mother. But I would walk in on her sometimes and she would be rocking back and forth, just giving God praise. I grew up with a family that praised God. And yes, they went through hard times. And yes, they went through struggles. But you know what? I never saw God let them down. I never saw God forsake them. I never saw God abandon them. I'm telling you, stay connected to praise. I dare you right now to stand to your feet and lift up a sound of praise. Heavenly Father, reconnect us to praise. Your word said one generation shall declare your glory to another generation. There are young people here that have not seen properly modeled praise by older believers in their life. Let this church be the church that teaches the younger generation. To praise. And God, we got young believers in this church that are praising you that need to inspire some older believers that have been saved for a while. But they ain't praising you like they used to. Father, I believe you in this house tonight. On this Tuesday before Thanksgiving, I just want to praise you that I still have Papa Troy with me. I want to praise you for getting Papa Carl out of the hospital. I want to praise you for every person that's in here under the sound of my voice. And right now in this atmosphere of praise, I want us to do this. I want us to lift up Sonia, my drummer's wife, Bub's wife. God, I praise you that you brought her through many battles and many struggles. God, I praise you that you are with her. Your hand is on her. And I believe you that even this week to turn everything around, I believe you to give her a good report to cause her and Bub to hear a a good report, a good sound from you. And I've waited to the end to say this. I've waited to the end to say this. Two weeks ago, there was a young boy. His name's Jonathan. He used to come to my church at Raven. And when he first started coming here, I didn't recognize him because you know what kids do? They grow up. And I did an altar call. And he came up to the altar right here. He walked down that aisle. And here he was bawling like a baby, giving his heart back to God. And Taylor, y'all know what Taylor, this is how the Holy Ghost works. Y'all know what Taylor just went through losing his father in that car wreck. I didn't know any of this was going to I said, Taylor, I said, come pray for him. Lead him in the prayer. He laid his hands on Jonathan and began to pray that prayer with Jonathan. You can feel the presence of God all over Jonathan. But what nobody knew was just a few days ago, Jonathan was home from work, went to be with his parents at Van Sand. They said, you know what, I'm bored. He said, I'm going to go ride down the road just a little bit. One mile from his house, Rossi. They don't know what happened. He wasn't doing nothing mean. They don't know what happened to the. We don't know what happened. He wrecked. There was just one knot on, the, on this precious, precious boy's head. And he passed away. And that funeral is going to be Friday and Saturday. And it's been people like Karen that said, I want to reach out to that family. People like y'all that's prepared food and prayed for them. And in this atmosphere, and I've told y'all, man, I've said, man, pray that, that the funerals stop for a while. This will make 12 funerals in eight weeks. And this is a family that I've known for a long time. This is a family that drive all the way from the bandstand, sit right there, great-looking family, great people. I need y'all in this atmosphere to lift up both your hands. Because I don't have the words. I can't explain that. I can't make sense of that. But I serve a God who is the God of all comfort. And I didn't know what was going to happen, but God did. And when Jameson told me that one of the things that was giving him peace, he was in the background when Loretta was on the phone with me, was that I preached that sermon and and Jonathan came to this altar. But right before that happened, he said how God was using that to comfort him through this. You never know what the Holy Ghost is really doing in church. You never know what people are going to face, what they're fighting, but I do know this. If you take God serious, he'll take the church service serious. Let's pray for this family. God, I lift up the Jewel family before you right now. I plead the blood of Jesus over them, a fiery hedge of protection round about them. God, anoint the funeral services Friday and Saturday. Anoint me. I cannot do it, God. I cannot do it. My flesh is tired. Not by might, not by power, but by your Spirit. Spirit of the living God, saturate me and wear me like a coat. And God, for Jameson, for Loretta, for the Jewel family, and all those loved ones that are hurting right now, even now, Holy Ghost, send comfort their way. Send peace their way. God, just drape over them like a blanket. God, I thank you that I know Jonathan's okay, but Lord, they need your touch. They need your power. Now I want everybody in here, I want you just to continue to praise God as Chelsea and the praise team sings. I don't know if we're going to do an altar call. I don't know. But I do know it would be bad to preach a sermon on praising and thankfulness and not give the body a chance to do it corporately. Let's worship God together. hands one more time in this atmosphere I'm going to ask you to do this right here this is between you and God but if you know you've drawn back on your praise we've all went through seasons where we have, don't let the devil trick you, everybody has but you say, I want to press forward in my praise I've started taking some things for granted that God's done in my life i started taking some things like I've not been praising him for the good things in my life I praise God every time I can preach I praise God every time people come I don't take it for granted I want you right now to just praise God for the good stuff he's done in your life and if you've drawn back on some things I just want you to say God from this night forward I want my praise reignited And sometimes it may be a sacrifice, but God, I want you by your grace to keep me focused on the things I have to praise you for. And if you'll keep that list up, I promise you'll always have more to praise him for than you have to complain or worry about. Father, let the spirit of praise be on this church. God, let the spirit of praise be on this church. Let people feel it even in the parking lot a spirit of celebration, a spirit of jubilee, that before they ever get, don't ever let them come into a quiet dead church when they come here. Let there always be voices of laughter and singing and dancing. God, let there always be worship in this house. Lord, let there always be an atmosphere that it's easy to preach in and that it's easy for your people to receive. And now with every head bowed and every eye closed, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in here and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, that's not a political question. That's not a question that should offend anybody. It's a question we go ask basically every time we have church. If you're in here and you don't know him, I want you to know he wants to know you. He died on an old rugged cross to know you. The Son of God became the Son of Man that the sons of men might be made the sons of God. You can't earn it. Nothing you can do to get there. But it's a free gift you can receive. If you're in here and you say, Pastor, I need to be saved or rededicate my life to the Lord, i never like to close out a service without doing this. If God's dealing with your heart to be saved, would you step out of your seat and come to this altar right now? I want to pray with you. If there's anybody If there's anybody that says, I need to be saved. I need to, I need that. I need him in my life. I need, I don't need religion. I don't need denomination. I need Jesus in my life. If God's knocking on your heart's door, would you step out and come right now in the name of Jesus. If there's anybody, anybody, anybody. All right, I want everybody. To give the Lord a hand clap of praise as my buddy Bobby Jean, the mean machine, takes us home proper like now.